Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Almighty God, as the Proverbs have said, we are at a risk of perishing for lack of vision. Give us eyes to see your great plans for all of humanity. Give us ears to hear the cries of the people who yearn for a glimpse of you. Plant your vision in our hearts and perish. In the name of the Jesus our Lord we pray, amen. Our scripture today comes from Proverbs chapter 29, verses 18. Hear these words. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So for the last um, couple of years, on the first Sunday of the year, we've called it Vision Sunday. Uh, it's been kind of a standalone Sunday where we can talk a little bit about where we've been and where we're headed, uh, and so remind ourselves of where we feel called to. And I know um, in a lot of ways it feels like believing is seeing is a typo, uh, but really it's just preacher logic. Um, I think believing comes first, and then seeing comes second. Uh, we describe this as Vision Sunday. Now, vision is the bridge between the present and the future. Uh, vision um, is a, a, a kind of a, one of those overused words. Um, I, I imagine that at your places of work or uh, in the places where you volunteer and serve, that there's a vision, mission, and values statement. Uh, uh, consultants get paid tons of money to help uh, folk deliver, or develop, uh, and utilize these things. Um, occasionally, I get invited to work on a vibrant church initiative team, which is a revitalization project where we go into one church over the course of a weekend and help them begin thinking about how to become more healthy. Uh, nine times out of ten in a situation like that, when we ask, what's your vision, they point over to a framed statement on a wall. And what's nice is that they know where their vision statement is, but if you ask them to tell you what it is, chances are they couldn't remember. Now later I'm going to ask you what our vision statement is, and I want you to know, you know that saying raising a generation in faith is completely okay. I'm not polluting the well, I'm just helping you know what the right answer is. You see that vision statement uh, in the 90s and in the early 2000s, that was everything. And the way that we talked about it in church was that the pastor was the vision caster. That, 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 uh, that when a pastor came into a congregation, uh, that they are to uh, assess and listen and then make a strategic plan to bring the congregation forward. And oftentimes preachers would quote Proverbs 29, 18, um, uh, which I know we read today, and it comes from the message. Um, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Now, you know this proverb, um, but you probably know it from the King James. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, um, vision is interesting. Uh, it's interesting because we have hung so much on it. Um, like I was saying, uh, pastors are to be vision casters. Uh, they're to come into a congregation, assess what's going on, and then make a strategic plan. But what's fascinating is that vision is not really about Six Sigma or a SWOT analysis. It's not about um, steps towards uh, more productivity. 
that in this scripture passage, the vision has nothing to do with that. I'd be willing to say that this is one of the scripture passages that is most misrepresented and mistranslated uh, among preachers. I mean, we really want you to think that if you don't follow our vision, you're gonna die. <laughs> but it's not true. It's not scriptural. It's not biblical. It's not the way that God's, uh, God works in the world around us. And so I wanna take a little moment and talk about uh, what this passage uh, does mean. So let's look at first at the word vision. When you look at the Hebrew word for vision, it's the word hazan. Uh, hazan um, is a noun that's used 35 times in the Old Testament, but never once is hazan connected to a strategic plan or a long range goal. It's really about seeing. In fact, there's a particular verb that's connotated from it, and it's hazah. Hazah is to be able to see. Um, Maybe the reality in front of you, uh, or or more so to be able to see God's revelation in front of you. When we talk about vision, vision is not about a strategic plan that the pastor brings, but Hazan is about being able to see the reality and to see what God is revealing about what's to come. In fact, we can look at one scripture story. Uh, the story comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's the calling of Samuel. Uh, if you remember, just real quickly, um, Samuel was a young boy. He was training to be a priest. He was sleeping in the sanctuary, and, um, uh, and Eli was his mentor. Now, Eli was sleeping someplace else, um, but, um, but Samuel was sleeping right at the foot of the altar. Um, and throughout the night, he would hear his voice called. And so Samuel, the young boy, would get up and he'd go to where Eli was and he'd wake Eli up and say, I heard my name. Now, I'm pretty sure you have a little bit of experience with this, right? Um, You send the kid back with a drink of water and say, go to bed, right? But every good preacher story happens three times. And after the third time that Samuel wakes Eli up and says, I heard my name, Eli says, go back and lay down. And when you hear your name called, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, why is this so strange? Why can't uh, can't, uh, Samuel understand that God's calling him, that God's giving him a vision? Because in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, the text indicates that the word of the the Lord was so rare that visions had become uncommon. Vision, the word used there in Hebrew, hazan. Do you see how vision is not about my strategic plan for you, but it's about our ability to see what God's doing and how God's calling us on. Um, When we uh, pay attention to scripture, it begins to illumine our path. When we pay attention to what God's doing, it gives us purpose for what's next. Now, I wanna say, that uh, when I came here six years ago, I remember going to a church council meeting prior to my appointment, so this was before we'd moved in. I remember coming to the room and and I saw somebody that I'd known for a long time, Jim Hill. Um, He gave me a big hug. Uh, We were doing the whole, you know, talk around the room and uh, I shared about my family and they were sharing about the church. But I remember Jim, I I think this is true and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Jim whispered in my ear, he said, don't tell us who we are. We know who we are lead us where God's taking us. What was fascinating is y'all have spent a year doing vision, mission, values, and strategic planning, and reading scripture, and figuring out what's next. 
what Jim was encouraging me to do was to listen to what God had already revealed, to pay attention. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where we don't pay attention to what God's doing, we are uh, let loose. Let's look at the next word that's interesting in the scripture passage. Um, where there is no vision, the people perish. Of course, it'd be wonderful for me uh, if you didn't follow my strategic plan, we all die, right? That makes it a whole lot easier to do stewardship campaign and to do membership drive and to build a, a building, right? But it's not true. When we look at the word, the Hebrew word for perish, it's para. Uh, and para is um, a word that's used often uh, in the Old Testament, but it's often used um, specifically not about death, but about to let loose. In fact, the Old Testament uh, quotes in two places uh, when um, the Hebrews, uh, when the Israelites would mourn, they would take off their head covering. And the descriptor was, is that their, their, um, their hair would be let loose in the midst of mourning. Uh, more specifically, uh, tied to this proverb, um, in Exodus 32:25, this is the story when Moses goes up to the mountain uh, to commune with God and to come down with the uh, Ten Commandments, the tablets, while he's up on the mountain, right, while the cat's away, the mice shall play, and the Israelites, what did they do? They took all their gold and silver and they, uh, they melted it down and they made some idols. And the way that, um, um, the way that Exodus describes this is that the Israelites were um, given over, they were unrestrained in their moral restraints, um, and they, they showed no moral constraint while Moses was on Mount Sinai. Um, th this is the kind of parish, para, uh, that the proverb is talking about. It, it's not that if you don't follow my strategic plan, we die, but rather, if we don't pay attention to what God has revealed in front of us, what God is calling us um, to do next, to pay attention to God's revelation, then we will become let loose. We will wander. We'll be given over to our own ideas and no good will come from it. So having looked at our scripture passage, um, you know, we begin thinking then again about what is vision and what is our vision. I like to think that the Bible as a whole can be summed up in three important emphasis. One emphasis is about personal spirituality. It's about um, getting connected with God and recognizing um, where you have fallen short and asking for forgiveness and then taking that um, forgiveness and grace and sharing it in your relationships around you. Uh, recognizing that if we all uh, practice an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we end up with a world that's uh, one-eyed and toothless. So that's one emphasis, right? It's about grace and forgiveness. The second emphasis, I believe uh, that throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, we are commanded to care for the least of these, most importantly, the poor. And so where there are places where we um, are blessed with much, we should share with those who are blessed with less. And the last emphasis, I believe throughout scripture, you can find an emphasis and even you can put these words into Jesus's mouth in Matthew chapter 19, let the little children come to me and do not stop them for it is such as this, that the kingdom of heaven belongs, that the care that we have for children is vital. And of course, here in this place, over the last four years, we have come to discern that one of the important things that we can do is to do our vision statement, which later I'm gonna ask you about, but you know the answer because it's raising a generation in faith, right? That raising a generation, asking how are we forming our children into disciples is important. 
We've watched the demographics. We've seen the statistics. We've had a, a, a generation throughout the denomination where we've sent them off to college or to their vocation and they have left the church, not because they disagree or they've become atheists, but just because they, they just, they weren't formed. And they kind of wandered off. And the same idea that the proverb says, where there is no vision, the people perish, right? That word perish is about becoming unrestrained and let loose. And so we spent time uh, asking, what is it that makes for an opportunity to raise a generation in faith? Uh, and over the course of the four years, we've uh, come to identify four basic behaviors that we believe the whole church embodies so that our children and ourselves uh, are formed in the faith. And they're really easy. It's, it's the first one's having a call beyond yourself. We believe that following Jesus is about investing yourself beyond who you are. That could be volunteering in a ministry. Uh, that could be um, uh, working hard on the behalf of the poor. That could be helping out in children's ministry. It's a call beyond yourself. And then we believe that uh, followers of Jesus should be fluent in the faith fluent in the faith, um, especially the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we spend a lot of time here, um, not teaching the things that are easy, but teaching the things that are necessary. Uh, we recognize that though Adam Hamilton has written many books and they're all in video series, it may not be best for us just to do what Adam Hamilton preaches on because Adam doesn't live here. Uh, um, in addition to that, uh, we believe that as a church, we should practice being able to spot God active in the world around us. We talk about this as having a personal, powerful God story. Um, you know, um, when you get together for lunch um, with folk at work or when you get together for dinner at home, uh, be willing to say, where'd you see God active in your world? You see, if we don't ask the question, nobody thinks about it. But when you ask the question, you start thinking, hey, I did see God active in the generosity between two people. I did see God active in the willingness to make peace in an argument. And... Um, Lastly, the fourth one, ah, yes, being part of a high expectation community. You see, um, uh, mainline Protestantism in America is usually organized around two events, Christmas and Easter. I've often joked that at Christmas Eve, as people go out um, from the worship service, you should have a billboard that tells you what uh, day Easter's on because it moves around. <laughs> but, but people tend to think if I show up for an hour for worship, I'm good, I've checked the box that it's low expectations to be part of a faith. But we wanna form our children to be a church that's high expectations, that expects that when, um, when somebody's not in worship, um, we go find them, not in like a stalker way, but in a way we care about you and we are better when you're a part of us and, and we'd worried where you were. Would it be the kind of church that at three in the morning when life goes sideways, you know who you can call. It's somebody here in these pews because we'll come just like in the story uh, where the friends carried the paralyzed man to Jesus uh, because they knew Jesus could heal him. These are the four basic behaviors that we believe are important in raising a generation in faith. So, how are we doing on our vision statement to raise a generation in faith? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> oh, I, I just did these four and it's an eye test, so we're gonna go. So the fruit of our work, right? Um, I have to tell you that um, uh, websites are fancy because you can buy stock photos of people you've never met to illustrate ministries at your church. I'm gonna tell you that most of the photos on our website are real people. These are real, real youth uh, that are part of our youth program. 
Uh, you know, one of them is definitely a senior who's actually come back. We're so glad, right? The fruit of our work. When you think about how we are raising a generation in faith, one of it's through Mad Camp, um, a week-long camp in the summer here at the church uh, that allows for kids to sign up for a track around creativity, uh, whether it's um, art or music uh, or cooking or woodworking. And instead of buying curriculum from uh, some far-off place like Nashville, instead we look at uh, folk in our congregation who are passionate about the same things and say, will you come and spend a week teaching kids about woodworking or sewing? or painting. And here's some Bible verses to work into the uh, time that you have. Mad Camp is a wonderful ministry here. Uh, we think about Kaleidoscope. Um, to your kids, this is a night of fun on a Friday night, hanging out without having mom and dad around. For parents, it's parents' night out. And you might say, what in the world does that have to do in forming uh, kids in the faith? Really what it does is give the breathing room for parents to be parents to make relationships with their spouse and with others. I got a kick out of the last kaleidoscope as I was um, looking through the registrations. I found that it was a number of preschool parents who um, had put their kiddos here for kaleidoscope and then they'd gone out to dinner all together because they didn't have to worry about finding a babysitter. They knew their kids were in a faith-based environment and they're gonna have a good time. We think about raising a generation in faith uh, during the summer poolside parables. Um, I've always been told that in a church, whatever you have a lot of, like lemons, make lemonade, right? That joke worked a whole lot better before I had an associate named Josh Lemons. But, um, but one of the things we have a whole lot of is pools in your backyards. And so the youth group does poolside parables. They go uh, play and have fun in the backyard of church member and um, uh, either the youth director or one of the pastors goes and leads a little Bible study about a parable. It's like we're forming children in the faith. Confirmation is an important part uh, of our work here in forming kids in the faith. It's the opportunity for them to claim the faith for themselves. Uh, it, it's a beautiful moment. I, I have to say, my favorite part of confirmation is that all the kids get to come and have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me in my office. And the first 15 minutes, they're terrified. <laughs> Until, if they're sitting the right way, they, they can see I have a ceramic, um, uh, I think the uh, bust of uh, Darth Vader. Yeah, that Darth Vader. And if they catch that on the bookshelf, they soften up. And they say, what's that? And I say, oh, you want to talk about the problem of evil. Great. <laughs> Now, it really is easy. Well, in UM Army is an important part of how we form uh, children into the faith. Um, I know for many of you, you remember um, 10, 15, 20 years ago where we sent hundreds of kids to UM Army. We don't send that number anymore, but we are faithful to send the group that we have um, and to watch them come back with stories of how God was active in their world is a powerful thing. Raising a generation in faith. It's not just something we do at youth, it's from birth to graduation, and it's an important part of what we do here at Chapelwood. Uh, I wanna really encourage you to think, what are we building? Now, um, this congregation has um, young families with young children and um, golden retirees. <laughs> Go with me on this, okay? Um, I think you engineers call it bimodal, right? And so it'd be really easy for you to think, oh my gosh, our vision statement is all about this group and nothing about that group. But let's be honest here. How do you learn those four basic behaviors as a kid? You learn them because um, before you leave this 
um, a program, uh, a ministry church to go to college or to vocation. We want you to have five non-family adults that you can talk to about faith-based issues. Five. Guess what? Those five come from y'all. That, that um, to form uh, children as disciples, uh, we have a phrase at our house that little pitchers have big ears. I don't know where it came from, but little pitchers have big ears because somebody's always watching. You, you can say, oh my gosh, the preacher just wants to take care of children and youth, but the reality is, is that if you're in the view of a child or a youth right now sitting in the pews, they're watching. They're watching you pray, they're watching you sing, they're watching you learn. They're watching you continue to grow as a Christian. You're an important part of what we're building here at Chapelwood. So we're getting to that place where, uh, what is our vision statement? Oh, I have to, oh, uh, all right. I have one more illustration. Um, I, I don't know about you, but um, I like um, oldies, um, uh, oldie songs, um, uh, really good kind of fun stuff like that. Well, there are, um, there are good oldie uh, preacher illustrations. So you've probably heard this one, but I'm gonna tell it anyways. Um, so there's a reporter, there's a big construction site. Reporter shows up and a uh, bunch of bricklayers and the reporter wants to make a story about the construction site. So he goes to the first bricklayer and says, what are you doing? And the bricklayer says, I'm laying bricks, can't you see him on the ground? And so he walks on to the second bricklayer and the reporter says, I'm writing an article about this construction site. And he looks at the bricklayer and says, what, what are you doing? And he says, I'm building a wall. Can't you see where it's gonna be? And then he walks on to the third bricklayer and he asks the bricklayer, what are you doing? And the bricklayer looks back over the construction site and he says, can you see it with me? We're building a cathedral. What are we building here? We're training children to become disciples of Jesus. We're doing it in a way that's important. And the phrase that we use is uh, a vision statement, which I told you in the beginning I was gonna ask you what it was, and I know it's, it's hard to be put on the spot on having to say what our vision statement is, but it's okay, because it's gonna be raising a generation in faith, and you know it, right? So, uh, what is our vision statement? Raising a generation in faith. And so friends, um, what a powerful thing uh, to center our lives on the word of God, to see the world through glasses that are tinged with faith, when we recognize that the reality in front of us and the revelation before us is to do the job of raising a generation in faith. For those of you who are interested in metrics, I can provide them about how things have changed. But here's my favorite metrics for how well we're doing at raising a generation in faith. Count how many kids come down for the children's moments. If you count how many kids come down for the children's moments, you're gonna quickly see that more and more often, there are more and more kids here. And then my other favorite metric, which is also a Jim Hill, I don't know how you got into the sermon twice. Um, <laughs> is um, instead of, uh, Jim used to say, instead of counting attendance, um, time how long it takes for people to leave the sanctuary after worship. Because people don't wanna be in a space where they are not loved and cared for. And sometimes it takes y'all about 45 minutes to get done sharing and talking and hanging out and caring for each other before you go to lunch. So if you want better metrics, come on down. But one of the best metrics is how many kids do you see showing up to learn about God's word? Uh, friends, uh, when we focus on what God calls us to do, we are focused and follow him. And that gives purpose 
and a future to who we are. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.